like I said, I heard the pop hits when I was probably a little bit younger. Um, but sure. When I was 25, it was actually a pretty bad period in my life. Um, okay. I just gotten off a freelance job and um, was looking for something better, but I was out of shape, overweight, unhappy with where I was professionally, personally, you know, broken up with somebody. Um, and I kind of took one last stand and I decided that I was going to just do everything possible to get back in shape, to get the best job I could, um, and to really fulfill my potential. Um, and a lot of those themes are pretty present, I think, across darkness on the edge of town. And uh, it was an album that just really resonated with me, the earnestness. Um, you probably have a lot of res- listeners who are, you know, would say that Born to Run is their favorite album, or it's the uh, album yeah. that got them into Bruce Springsteen uh, and the E Street Band. I don't know. There's a lot of idealism in that album. And uh, yeah. I think I was past that point, frankly. And Darkness on the Edge of Town is sort of about acknowledging that idealism, not wanting to let go um, and seeing where you have to compromise, as we were sort of talking about compromise earlier, um, but just trying to find a better life for yourself and, and seeing what's important for you, important to you and, and taking that stand. Um, as I think he literally actually says on the title track, Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me from the great state of Jersey is Dan Levinson. I hope I said the last name correct. You did. Not many people do. Well, I got lucky. How you doing? (laughs) Good. It's good to be speaking with you. It is great to be speaking with you. Uh, so, Dan, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, I grew up here in uh, in Bergen County in uh, Ordo. Um, I would like to say that I escaped and made it to the city. Uh, that was the goal, and it's what I did um, in terms of going to college, went to NYU. Uh, and then I worked at um, NBC, actually, for about eight years. Oh, so what did you do for... Uh, various things i was a producer um i worked with a few olympics oh nice um, yeah just here in you uh uh here in the states or did you actually travel to that's the question i get all the time uh yeah. i was doing it digitally so uh you know i was behind a keyboard and okay. uh, with yeah. tokyo uh well obviously uh you know there's a pandemic going on right now. Yes, yeah. so I don't know if people travel. have heard that, but there is one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. You might have heard about it, but it's it's really not a big deal. Yeah. Well, actually, it's a huge deal. I don't yeah. know how to joke about that. Yeah, I know. You know, it's, you know. It, well, sometimes we just have to joke about it because I, I don't know what else to do, right? It's just, yeah. damn. It's uh, especially the length of it. It's just disrupted so much. Uh, in terms of uh, normality and, and what we do on our day-to-day basis and especially our human interactions. Um, I mean, this is weird. I'm sure you feel that way, just like connecting with somebody over uh, a computer as opposed to like even having a phone call, but especially like going out in person and things have relaxed. I think we're all sort of afraid of what the winter might bring, but yeah, you know, I'm not the most optimistic person, but I do think that, you know, we may have seen the worst of this and yeah, my hope will get better soon. You know, um, tomorrow there'll be sunshine and all this darkness passed, right. To quote the Jersey poet, um, uh, I set I him up, you, uh, you knock him out of the park. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Uh, so I do, um, I'm recording this, um, on a Tuesday night and my wife and I, just got back from spending four days in new orleans and the reason i'm bringing this up is um texas is not like 
no one in Texas wears a mask, right? Like you go to a restaurant, there's no one wearing a mask. Uh, when we went to um, see the Eagles, um, they had said you have to have proof of vaccination or a negative test to be in. And, you know, basically, Dan, if you just waved a piece of paper, they, you know, they didn't care. Every place we went in New Orleans, they stopped us and said, we need to see your vaccination paper. And then they looked at it and they actually looked and to see the dates. Um, And I asked, you know, I said, what? And they said, hey, we can't afford to have another shutdown. The, you know, the city of New Orleans will go broke if we have to not have it. So my wife and I found that very uh, comforting. You know, we were we were very good. And so they enforced us like um, when you got in a cab, you had to have your mask on Uh, when we were in the lobby of the hotel, like we were leaving out. We were outside. So we had our masks down and we walked in and they immediately mask, please, when you're in the lobby. Like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. So um, they were taking it seriously. And it was good to see. Yeah, I um, I mean, I've definitely noticed that with indoor venues around here. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, who knows when we're on the other side of this, what society is going to look like. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, you know, it, it's really discouraging. Although, uh, frankly, it, uh, makes complete sense. This has become a political issue somehow. Uh, it really shouldn't be, it should just be about people's health. And, and, you know, I, I don't understand that. I mean, I do because everything's political now. I mean, um, we have a couple of fans that actually not good naturedly debate waves and waves, but I mean, there's a few people that have their foot stuck in the ground and like, it's, it's only this and it can't be anything else. And you're like, really? It's, it's the lyrics of a, a song. Why, why, would you, why would you die on that hill? But um, yeah. I think that's just the nature of society now. Yeah. Um, it makes me think I was uh, fortunate enough. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. the live experiences I've had with uh, Springsteen. Uh, I was fortunate enough to go opening night to Springsteen on Broadway this uh, year so for the reopening. Oh, nice. I thought I had missed it completely. Um, there are a lot of things, <laughs> maybe this is another pandemic-related thing, but there are a lot of things I realized in life It may have seemed expensive at the time, yeah. uh, but it costs more in retrospect to have missed that experience. Yeah. Um, and I certainly felt that way about Springsteen on Broadway until they brought it back. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't believe that I had gotten tickets opening night. And actually it sort of brings things full circle because um, it was so, it was so strange seeing a theater of 2000 people, just totally massless, like normal. Yeah. Um, and it was because New York city has, has done things properly. Yeah. Um, they were very thorough in terms of checking your, um, you know, your vaccination yeah. card. Um, that said, while we were about to enter, there were all these people protesting outside. Um, and I think you could even like vaguely hear them from inside the theater uh, towards the beginning of the show before he got on stage. Mm-hmm. People were just protesting, you know, why do we have to be vaccinated to see a show? Um, there's just so much divisiveness and it's, it's, it's very sad. And you're right. It's my way or the highway. Um and uh, there's no such thing as compromise anymore. Yeah, you're right. And, and I promise listeners will get off this in a minute. But um, it, it was funny because before we hit record, you know, Dan says, I'm really not sure what to expect. And I'm like, we're just going to have a conversation. It'll just go wherever the conversation takes us. Um, yeah, I, I'm amazed at that. And um, I, I read, I, you know, I saw a lot on social media, which has been a blessing and a curse to me, uh, the blessing because it helps me connect to Springsteen fans from around the world and get them on the show. And that's, I lo- you know, the podcast is a labor of love for me, but it is, can see the ugliness of people. And there were people that were blaming Bruce Springsteen that he's forcing them to get vaccinated to see his show. And we're like, 
uh, no, that's the state of New York. I mean, that's the city of New York. This has got, I mean, you know, Bruce has got some power, but he doesn't have that kind of power, guys. Okay. So yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. All right. So, Dan, you growing up, let's talk about your, your growing up there in Jersey. Um, what kind of music was your family listening to as a yeah. kid? What were you hearing? Uh, as a kid, what I was hearing versus what my parents were hearing. Maybe, know, yep, were, both. They were, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely differed at some point. I'm, you know, um, yeah, they were listening to the uh, 60s and, uh, you know, whatever was coming out of that. My dad is a big Frank Sinatra fan. Uh, Springsteen was not something that was in our household very much. Uh but um, personally, you know, I grew up on like uh, just pop of the 2000s. I think yeah. Eminem was really big. Um, you know, it was it was an angry young man. Yeah. Um, and I listened to a lot of hard rock. Um, and I really do feel that Bruce Springsteen is, I mean, yeah, you have some of his bigger pop hits and his um you know, um, just those famous staples that everyone knows, Born in the USA, Glory Days, Dancing in the Dark. Not that those songs don't have deeper meaning. They obviously do. Um, yeah. But people kind of latch on to the choruses. Um, but I think to understand, like, oh, Born in the USA is actually about Vietnam vets and how poorly we treat them. Or to go into an album like Nebraska or certain songs on Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um there's or they're just like to recognize that uh the rising is is like just such a political album about 9-11 or wrecking ball about yeah. you know the economy there's so much depth to that um and he does it on a political level and on a personal level uh depending yeah. on the song depending on the album um so he wasn't someone i really got into until i was 25 years old um so, so yeah that's a perfect segue can you can you remember what about what got you into Bruce? And if you can articulate why his music spoke to you? Yeah, um, I um, I think I got into Bruce. But you know, like I said, I heard the pop hits when I was probably a little bit younger. Um, but sure. When I was twenty five. It was actually a pretty bad period in my life. Um, okay. I had just gotten off a freelance job and um, was looking for something better, but I was out of shape, overweight, unhappy with where I was professionally, personally, you know, broken up with somebody. Um, and I kind of took one last stand and I decided that I was going to just do everything possible uh, to get back in shape, to get the best job I could um, and to really fulfill my potential. Um and a lot of those themes are pretty present, I think, across Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, and uh, it was an album that just really resonated with me, the earnestness. Um, you probably have a lot of res listeners who are, you know, would say that Born to Run is their favorite album, or it's the uh, album yeah. that got them into Bruce Springsteen uh, and the E Street Band. I don't know. There's a lot of idealism in that album. And uh, yeah. I think I was past that point, frankly. Yeah. Um, and Darkness on the Edge of Town is sort of about acknowledging that idealism, not wanting to let go um, and seeing where you have to compromise as we were sort of talking about compromise earlier. Yeah. Um, but just trying to find a better life for yourself and, and seeing what's important for you, important to you and, and taking that stand um, as I think he literally actually says on the title track. Um, and then I would also listen to Nebraska a lot, um, which you would think is one of his hardest albums to get into. Mm -hmm. um, but that one, you know, it's it's just so desperate and it's so uh, sobering. Um, there's an intensity to it. And uh, I'm an intense person. Um, I, like I said, I was really in exercise at that time. I just wanted to uh, I, I could use that intensity um yeah. yeah on the treadmill or lifting weights or whatever it might be yeah um i you know i 
and, and we're uh, we're joking about this, and I promise I won't do this the whole time, right? Like, but you no really way. were. We've got one last chance to make it real, right? You were sitting there, um, just you know, like in the dance in the dark, where I don't like anything about myself, right? And you're going, okay, let me right. reinvent myself. Let me do that, and um, and there is. There is a lot about that and about his music that I think speaks to um, many of us that, you know, he's, it's personal to us. And, and I agree, any band has that. I mean, there are people that adore, you know, anywhere from Frank Zappa to Leonard Cohen to, you know, Billy Joel to Bob Dylan, on and on and on. But, you know, for us, there's just something about Bruce and his lyrics um when do you, when you started listening to him how did you go about it did you just happen to run across an album or two or and then once you like took a bite of the apple you just went all in and was searching for albums and doing research and digging in talk to me a little about that dan so i think you know one thing that i think is kind of interesting is um when I was 18 years old, it was one of the best summers of my life. It was me going okay. from college into, or going from high school into college. Um, okay. And I didn't have a lot of responsibilities at that time. So I was just riding my bike around New Jersey. I literally got to central Jersey and you know, you get to central Jersey because you see a bunch of farms and horses and you're like, holy crap, where am I? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I would listen to uh, CDs because I guess I'm that old now. Um, that you could rent from, uh, one of 75 different interconnected libraries. And I was trying to follow Rolling Stones. Uh, I think it was 500 best albums of all time. Um, and I think at that time, cause I know they revised the list, but I do think that Born to Run was the highest rank Springsteen album. Um, I heard it. I sort of dismissed it. The band that I had latched onto was, uh, actually U2. Okay. Um, and I listen to them a lot and they have, you know, a pretty deep connection. I think with Bruce, they share a lot of the same themes They came out around the same time. Uh, they have a lot of, uh, you know, similarly intense uh, music. Um, not always intense, but yeah. you know, very personal and also political. Um, and then I saw them actually perform with Bruce that summer um in 2015 on their uh innocence and experience tour okay. at Madison Square Garden um and that was a moment that really kind of changed things for me um I actually kind of see it as the transition between that band which I was so passionate about and felt like I could relate to in so many ways and Springsteen mm. so that doesn't really answer your question no that did that that is a very good transition um one of my best friends um, really loved the band mm-hmm. and, um, and went, you know, rented the last waltz. And because of that, Dylan plays, you know, in that movie and he went, Oh, I like this. And ended up, he's now a massive Dylan fan. And he always jokes about who, you know, that, even though the band had been, you know, involved in doing other things, um, you wouldn't have thought of him as, you know, them as the gateway to finding, you know, Bob Dylan. Right. Um, so I always like to preface this, Dan, with the amount of times you've seen him form live is not a fair barometer of what kind of fan you are or how big of a fan you right. are. Um, because depending on where you live, depending on a lot of other circumstances, um, you know, it just doesn't work out. But um, have you been able to see him live? Yeah, I, uh, I have a poster for it, too. I saw him in Hartford in 2016 Okay. Uh, during the River Tour. Okay. And I would have seen him at MetLife the following year, but I thought it was the same. There was a little bit of confusion, I think maybe on the part of marketing or maybe it was just yeah. my misunderstanding. I thought it was the same tour. Okay. Um, which I guess it kind of was, but yeah, it was not playing the river in fall. And right. if I had known that I would have gone. Um, yeah. Cause you know, who sure. wouldn't want to see a Bruce Springsteen concert. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
but uh, I felt like I'd seen the river played. And to be honest, it's not, you know, one of my favorite albums. Yeah. I really do like it, but um, you know, I felt like once was enough to just go through all that. Um, but yeah, he did like four shows and I missed it and I kicked myself for that. Um, I've only seen him three times and two of those were Springsteen on Broadway. Yeah. Um, I will say that the Hartford show is really cool. Um, it really reintroduced me to born in the USA, um, which, you know, even though it's like the most popular album in the world, I feel like among Bruce fans, sure. uh, kind of underrated actually in a way because yeah. it's um, people just kind of dismiss it as like, Oh, that's the one with all the pop hits and the yes. you know, big rock songs, but it's great. Um, it has some really deep thing, uh, songs, themes, um, and I was listening to cover me and I just was like, that guitar is just so amazing. Um, and, you know, it really got me back into that record. Um, in addition to hearing the, the river live, I just listened to that album over and over every single track, just trying to memorize the lyrics before the concert. Um, so that was great. And then, but, I, you know, the Springsteen on Broadway shows this past summer, they were really, uh, those were really the two experiences um that you know i guess where i feel like i was I, I knew his whole discography um i really knew the music the the only track i didn't know was the wish um which was the i don't even think i made it on a tracks so it was just some rare outtake he had made about his mother yeah um and i yeah i believe it is on tracks but you're right um yeah. well and that must have hit you pretty hard, the wish, huh? Because in a few minutes, you're going to tell me a story that you shared about your own mother and Bruce. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't remember um, exactly how I got involved with this. But yeah, I guess that's sort of what I'm, uh, I guess I've been sort of dancing around this whole time. Is um, That was like a big part of this whole pandemic for me. Yeah, uh, I know it's been really surreal for a lot of other people, but my mother had been diagnosed with cancer um, in March of 2019, okay. uh, brain cancer, and it was grade three. So things were pretty stable and pretty normal. Mm. And then it recurred as a glioblastoma, which is the same brain cancer that killed Ted Kennedy. Mm. Uh, it killed um, John McCain. It killed Joe Biden's son. Mm. Um, and um uh, you know, it hit my mom and um, my father and I had to uh, just take care of her as best we could. Um, it was so hard to know that there was something literally eating away at her brain. Yeah. Uh, and we could see each week or each month, like things were sort of um, just declining rapidly. Um, and she just was not herself physically or cognitively. Um, and, uh, it was really hard, you know, by mid-March, she was just like, not, um, she's unable to verbalize anything. Um, she was basically confined to a wheelchair and she was confined to a bed. We had to do all these medical things for her. And I mean, graphic things like we had to help her, you know, transition to the commode and pull down her diaper and place yeah. her diaper, all these you know, things that you would think, a, you know, a nurse would do or an aide would do. Um, but it just felt like she's this really important person in our life. So we should do that for her. Yeah. I, I just say that because I do, I mean, not just to express, you know, the intensity of it, especially in the middle of a pandemic, but I, I do think that that's something that unfortunately you hear a lot of in New Jersey. And I don't know if that's something that you really experience as much throughout the rest of the country um, is just the incredible number of cancer cases, not necessarily this form of cancer, but it's, yeah. it's really unbelievable. But yeah. passed, uh, it, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say, yeah, I am, um, uh, I'm, I'm five years past having colon cancer. Oh my um, God. And so um, luckily they, you know, they, they caught it early they, you know, had surgery, they took it out. I had to go through, um, you know, um, eight rounds of chemo. Uh, and, um, and, you know, it's, it's, 
it's not haha funny, but it is like after the third round of chemo, I mentioned to the nurse, I'm like, this just seems to be getting harder. Yeah. Like, shouldn't this, I be used to this. And she's like, oh no, honey, it's going to get worse every time. I'm like, oh, she goes, you know, we don't want to tell you that to begin with to make you depressed. And um, so, and then earlier this year, they thought I had stomach cancer. Luckily, I did not, but I had to have surgery to take the tumor out of my stomach. And um, I say this because once you've had cancer yourself or a family member of yours has cancer, you realize holy crap it's just all over the place and and you feel for all these family members because you've been there either as a and in a lot of ways my wife will say I take nothing against your fight you you know you were the one that had to go to chemo you were the one that had to have surgery you're the one that was sick but in a lot of ways, my battle as the, the spouse of a person fighting cancer was, I won't say as hard, but it was hard in itself. Um, and so I'm not belittling what your mom went through, but you and your dad had your own journey and own challenges, right? Because you've got to be strong for your mom when we're all little kids in our own way. And we just want our mom to go to and hug us to tell us it's going to be okay. And she can't. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, she literally couldn't, I'm really sorry to hear that by the way. I, I uh, did not know that. Oh, um, that's okay. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm as, I'm close to remission. And like I said, and when I had the stomach surgery, um, I ended up getting free gastric bypass surgery. I make the joke. They, they thought I had a tumor in my stomach. The guy said, we're going to have to take it out. But on the plus side, this is the same surgery due to patients for gastric bypass. Yeah. So do you want to lose some weight? And I'm like, well, I don't, hadn't planned on it, but you know, it's that or get to keep the tumor. So uh, yeah. So no, I am fine. Uh, but I, I, I just, I know listening to my wife and listening to my son and, and having my own have lost my father and my stepfather and other things in a lot of ways, the supportive family, it's just as hard on them. Yeah. I mean, we're still going through it. I mean, yeah. we're, we're through, I mean, the pandemic's exacerbated everything. Sure. Um, and now we're three people because my brother was living here at the time as well. Uh, yeah. And we're all living under this one roof um, and she passed in June and we're just trying to figure out, oh, wow, the heart of our family just like disappeared yeah. and she's gone. I, not to, and, and if you don't want to talk about this, please tell me to move on and I'll cut this out. But were you, because I hear so many stories about in the midst of the pandemic, you know, a loved one is in the hospital and they won't let you go in there and visit them. You can't be there because of all the COVID restrictions. Yeah, no, you can keep it in. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, you get it, but you also don't get it, right? Because yeah. you feel like you're willing to take the rapid test or whatever it is. Or at that point, you know, I had been vaccinated for months, actually, yeah. I think, at least two months, um, or at least a month. Um but yeah, like the hospitals at that point, like May or whatever it was, um, they were saying, you know, you can only have one designated guest. So I would drive all the way to the hospital and they would just say, no, you can't go up there, you know. Um, and I'd be like, I have a mask, I'm vaccinated. Like, what else do you need? It's only the two of us, you know, and uh, nobody else is going to be here today. So it's really just me today. I had flowers for, and they're like, well, we can take the flowers, we can take the chocolate, but you can't go up there. Um, and of course, you know, they're medical professionals and they know what they're doing. Um, but it hurts to, uh, you know, know the kind of situation that you're in and not, um, not be able to do anything. Um, 
and I'm sure a lot of, you know, COVID family members felt the same way because that's yeah. exactly what happened. The, the, their family members were just taken away in an ambulance. Um, and some of them got better and came back and some of them didn't. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's all very sudden and it's heartbreaking and it's hard. And especially when you don't have verbal communication with somebody, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's just close to impossible. But, so Dan, uh, you you mentioned that you played her some Bruce music. Yeah, so, so what happened? That. That, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, 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 you're not that, interrupting at all. What I was saying, um, you know, we we were really kind of working around the clock, and at the end, we had some aides come in. Um, but at a certain point, you know, we knew what was going on, and hospice came in, and um, you know, the night it was very clear four days before she passed that she was going to pass. I had a friend come over. Um, I, he's the most musically gifted guy. I know he performed a concert with me singing some of the songs. Um, it was a mix of songs that my mother loved and a mix of songs that I loved. She loved the Rolling Stones. She loved Carol King. Um, I love you two nine inch nails and uh, Nick cave and, uh, and Bruce Springsteen. We closed with uh, I'll see you in my dreams. Um, and it was just me and uh, my friend singing it to her while he, you know, played at the guitar. And then the night before she passed, I guess I must have known she was going to go. Um, I played her five of my favorite songs that I thought might help her transition. I'm an atheist. So I should probably mention yeah. Um and, you know, we had actually watched the Letter to You documentary because it actually came out like 24 hours before the album came out. Right. Back in uh, November, October, whatever that was last year. Um, and so I started crying when they when they played I'll See You in My Dreams in that movie. And my mom wrote my back and she said, you know, don't cry. It's like the Lion King. It's the circle of life. Um, and um, so that was the second to last song that I played her that night, uh, followed by We Are Alive. Um, so to me, those two songs are, are very much linked. Um, and then the morning after June 14th, which was just like four months ago, she passed uh, while listening to her favorite record, which is uh, Carol King's Tapestry. Two weeks later, which, you know, to me, I guess living in this ultra fast American society, I just thought that, oh, wow, it's uh, so much time's already passed. It's, it's over. Um, I went to see Springsteen on Broadway thinking, you know, like, oh, this could be the first happy experience I have, like following her passing. Uh, and thankfully, I mean, he, it was a funny show, a really funny show, yes. uh, especially when he starts cursing up a storm. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, it blew me away that he, he, he just said, I'm not playing born to run. I'm going to end the show with, I'll see you in my dreams. And I started bawling. Um, and it was, you know, I actually, I had mentioned somehow I had to start talking to my, my, the guy sitting next to me about, you know, my mom and what was going on. Um, I mean, it's just a, it's still a very confusing period and just how to, mm-hmm. how, how to deal with this. And, um, and so he, you know, he gave me a tap on the shoulder uh, when they played The Wish, you know, thinking that would be the song that resonated with me. And I thought that way, too. Yeah, uh, I, I would have guessed that, too. Right. Yeah. But then when when he pulled that out, which nobody was expecting. Right. Right. And, um, I was bawling. I left the theater in tears. I mean, it was so yeah. emotional and I don't believe in signs or anything like that but it, it was just um you know it was it was somebody an artist who i really respect whose work i really love um you know that really communicates with me and it felt like he was saying something that and and, and that's what's so hard we are living right now and that's why you know i'm not sure how many conversations you've had um where the pandemic has been talked about at all or extensively but we're living in a time of death i mean it's it's really the theme of the last two years 
And it's really, really hard to confront. Um, and then just, I guess, by coincidence, I mean, I guess because he's getting older, that's the album that Bruce Springsteen puts out, Letter to You. Um, and it's recorded in 2019 and it comes out in the heart of the pandemic. And then he gets to play this song, you know, um, it, when, when it seems like the pandemic is finally lifting, he finally plays this song um, to the public. Yeah. And then the pandemic just comes back and we still have these weird sort of shutdowns. I think you can see a Broadway play. I saw a concert for the first time, like a real yeah. concert recently, but he, he spoke basically to the world. I think with yeah. that album. And I don't think that's what he intended um, because I think it was a very personal album about just reflecting on his career, his relationship with his fans and his mortality. And then yes. it just resonated in a way that none of us you know, could have anticipated. Um, and I think that's the best song on the album. I think it's the most profound song on the album. Um, I think when we look back, you know, and we have a greatest hits album or playlist or whatever it might be. Um, frankly, after he passes, that'll be yeah. the closing song um, because it's it's just such a a bookend to something in some way. So, a couple things, Dan. Um, one, um, I spoke at couple of related stories but uh, a friend of mine named Rick Lisko um, died several years ago and I quoted Land of Hope and Dreams at his funeral mm-hmm. um, and I've always said that um, and when my dad died I, I quoted Land of Hope and Dreams and I kind of tongue-in-cheek said and I hope years from now my son will quote Land of Hope and Dreams at my funeral right 50 60 years from now and then you hear i'll see you in my dreams and you go oh, wait a minute. maybe maybe there's a different song <laughs> um so I, I i'll share you a story just because it it feels like this kind of discussion so my friend rick um was played the guitar and he was he was talking to his wife beth and she's like what are you doing oh i'm learning a new song I'm, I'm, it's an old song of james taylor's but you know I'm, i've never learned how to play it so i'm playing with it she goes oh that's interesting and she moved on and he ended up having an embolism and died and so when she went it was the you can close your eyes by james taylor <laughs> and some of the lyrics are so close your eyes you can close your eyes it's all right I don't know no love songs. I can't sing the blues anymore, but I can still sing this song. You can sing this song when I'm gone. And so she asked me to to quote that at his funeral. So I'm sitting in New Orleans. My wife and I have eaten too much food and just was having a great time. And Jackson Brown opened and James Taylor played next. And the very last song he did is you can close your eyes. And I just started bawling. I mean, I just out of nowhere, just I I thought of my friend Rick and I thought of all the people that I've lost and in this, all the people we've lost in this pandemic. And I just was just, you know, luckily it was dark and I was doing this. So I can only imagine hearing I'll see you in my dreams after having that one of the last songs your mom listened to. I, I can only imagine the emotion you went through. Yeah. I mean, it speaks to the power of music, right? Yeah. It speaks to, you know, and even that was the thing, even after she lost her, you know, ability to speak, she would still hum along or, you know, sing to some of her. That's why we had Carol King on repeat, like basically for, yeah three or four months she you know she would come out with a line um two months after losing her her voice and we'd be like where did that come from Mm. um and these songs they stay with you you know um and the the really beautiful ones the ones that have true meaning and true power um 
you know, they don't age. They're, they're like great novels, right? I'm, I'm just looking at like, so or great art. Um, yeah. They just transcend time and they connect with you emotionally. And yeah. if, you know, once we're gone, they'll continue on with the next generation. Yeah. And there are so many different Bruce Springsteen songs. Um, you know, you can say that about Land of Hope and Dreams absolutely is one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, frankly, I think that song, I associate that with, you know, the uh, the inauguration. Yes. Uh, to be honest with you. Because uh, he was, which, you know, obviously that means it's a very powerful song. If that's the song you're going to yes. use to introduce the new president of the United States. Yeah um but yeah i mean that's that's the that's another beautiful aspect of these bruce springsteen songs you can just interpret them in so many different ways they can have so many different meanings and i do think that that when he played that it was partially you know speaking to the 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 beautiful idea that america could be um but also to all the hardships that we had recently endured um I'm not as familiar with James Taylor. I yeah. hope that was a you know uh, cathartic experience for you. It was, was very like, cathartic. It was. Um, tell me a funny story about your mom. My mom was a very funny person. She would okay. look in the backyard. We had like a we had this huge glass window downstairs, and you know we have deer come by, we have uh, rabbits come by, we have woodchucks come by. The deer especially clicked with her. Um, we had a dog for a while who, you know, made his presence known whenever an animal would come by and they'd kind of scatter if they heard yeah. barking too loud. Um, but our dog had passed and then this deer comes by uh, and he's got these great big antlers and she decides to name him Bucky. I decide to name him Bruce. Um, you can imagine why. Yes. And um, I was like, you know what, mom, you, you're going through a lot right now this is like a year ago. Um, we'll keep it with Bucky. We'll keep it with Bucky. And uh, I don't even know if it was the same deer. It could have been a different yeah. deer just showing yeah. up in the backyard, but she would communicate with him and she'd have like full conversations for like five minutes, drink her coffee, you know, eat her breakfast, whatever. And then just return to talking with him. If he was just nibbling on grass or like eating a, a tree or brush or whatever she, it was doing. Um, she loved animals um, and she spoke to them all the time. And she would always use a very, you know, childish voice uh, as if she were talking to a baby. But I, I really do think that, and they, they actually, you know, they came closer. They were certainly intrigued by what they heard. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to pretend they understood it, but right. um, I think it just speaks to this, the, the core sweetness of who she was. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um but yeah, I mean, one thing I read in her, or I wrote about in her eulogy, she was a nurse for 40 years in New York City. Wow. Um, and whenever there was even the smallest medical situation anywhere, she would just like, she like, was like Clark Kent, you know, ripping off his shirt and then turning into Superman. She would just like, uh, start not like physically pushing people back, but she would make her presence known. This is like a woman who's five foot tall and she starts screaming, I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse. And then she would just like zero in on the person and, you know, attend to like a scrape finger or whatever it was with antiseptic and a bandaid. Um, because again, she was that, you know, nice, generous person who was yeah. just so attentive and cared so deeply. Um, and, and I know she appreciated, but um, it sounds like she was by nature a caregiver. And I know she was still trying to take care of y'all even as she was fighting this horrible disease i i just know that just from listening to you talk and tell the stories and i know that was hard for her because she wants to continue to take care of you guys yeah um which i think uh was kind of a double-edged sword yeah because uh, i think one way she wanted to protect us was by not um by you know she thought that by sheer willpower she could be one of the you know less than one percent who yeah. overcomes this and so she didn't she never really said goodbye so it was yeah. kind of on us to do that and um by the time you know things had progressed too far 
she had had so much of her so much of her cognitive faculties had been taken away it was just yeah, uh, yeah. how's your dad doing uh he's playing piano at 9 15 at night as you've probably heard and, yes i did uh, thought i heard a little music that's good yeah and uh screaming and you know watching the yankees and well actually yankees lost which makes yeah. things even worse yes uh, now he's watching the astros i think yes I think i'm yes. not sure yeah astros uh, and the red Sox. yeah, yeah. uh that's so that's awesome well that's good yeah, yeah he's having a hard time with it we're having a hard time with it sure here. um like I, i'm gonna go back to new york i'm gonna make one last stand there and then i think you're gonna see if there are other places maybe um where i might be a better fit if it doesn't work out okay i don't know um i think the city is gonna come back um i think we'll rebound as a family i think we've definitely suffered a loss that is not going to uh yeah. uh, music's not going to heal it uh or it can't heal it there are some things in life that just you just have to deal with you're, you're hit with them yeah. Once again, um, I found a lot of comfort. Um, I was, you know, we, we've lost my wife's parents, both of them. We lost my dad, my stepdad. Um, I was really close to my mom's parents, my grandparents. And um, it was the first time I heard Bruce talk about this was on that, um, the Apollo show that they broadcast live on Sirius XM right and he's doing um, my city of ruins and he goes you know after he named the band he said are we missing anybody you know and that are, are we missing anybody and he says well if you're here and we're here they're here yeah and boy I called my mom and I and and my mom god love her Sometimes, like I tried, I, I got all choked up the first time I heard the wish, and I was trying to call my mom and explaining to her how this was about Bruce's mother and and how I was so glad that I still had her in my life, and she she didn't get it, and I just ended up dropping the story and like, how you doing, mom? How's you know? I just, just yeah. she just wasn't getting it, <laughs> um, you know. Um, but I did tell her. I said, you know. And I think about that anytime we're together, like a family, like a, around Thanksgiving or another holiday, mm -hmm. I always think of that if, if we're here, you know, if you're here and we're here, they're here and I feel their spirits. Um, and, um, and, and you mentioned earlier, like, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's an afterlife. I, I don't. I, I, I have a complicated relationship right now with my spiritual life, but I like to think somehow, at least through our memories, their essence lives on. If no other else, through our memories, they, they continue to live. Yeah. That's yeah. A, well, that's a very beautiful way of thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, a very healthy and comfortable way of thinking about it. That's good. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but uh I don't know. It makes me think of we are alive, you know. Yes. And, um, which is kind of the antithesis of uh, we um, of um, see you in my dreams. See in my yeah. dreams. I'm sorry. I don't know. No, why. no, you're good. Um, because it's it's just so. It's just like we are alive. Yes, all these people have passed. They've come before us. They made their marks, and then they fell. But you know let your mind rest easy sleep well my friend it's only our bodies that betray us in the end and our memories um continue to carry on these people however they pass whatever they suffered through um we can try and rectify it and make it make a better world um and that's uh you know that's why i'm you know trying to fight so much against this form of cancer um you know, just trying to raise awareness of it, trying to raise funds uh, for the National Brain Tumor Society. Um, if I can plug that. I would. Yeah, please. In fact, Dan, if you will send me a link to whatever organization you recommend uh, supporting, I'll make sure that's in the podcast notes. 
and Thank so you. that people yeah, can that see. Would, that would be uh, that would actually be really meaningful. So I really appreciate. Yeah, that. Yeah, no, I'd be glad to do it, and um, and and let us know, um, you know, your mom's name so that we can make a donation in her honor. I know that I'm not the only one, but I know a lot of my listeners would love to do that. Really so that's neat. That. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Um, so I, you, you've, you've kind of covered a lot of how much his music has spoken to you and meant to you. And, and I often talk about, you know, albums and songs that mean to you. And you've already shared that and you've shared it so well, Dan. Um, is there any other story you want to tell me? Is there other thoughts you want to give about Bruce's music or really anything? Well, I'll, I'll just say this, you know, as much as I've talked about Letter to U and, you know, the impact um, that that has had on my life and also, you know, um, Darkness in Nebraska, I, I really, I would say that those two, Darkness in Nebraska, yeah. are my, my favorite albums. Um, yeah. Uh, and it really flips day to day which one uh, resonates with me the most. I guess on my more hopeless days, I tend towards uh, Nebraska. But I think that there there is, despite all the bleakness, there's there are traces of optimism for sure. I mean, it ends on an optimistic note, darkness on the edge of town. And, um, you know, I, I think there are probably a lot of people who are, are going through something similar to what I've gone through, what my family's gone through. Yeah. I've just been going through a really tough time. Um, someone just, uh, someone in some conversation just said like, Hey, you know, the last two years have just flat out sucked for everyone yeah. like on this entire planet. And I was like, yeah, other than like maybe Australia. Uh, yeah. I think that's true. Um, I would just encourage people to listen to that album. Uh, again because I think that first of all it rocks I mean it's it's just fantastic Um, there's a lot about there a lot in there about um, these ideal you know you can see his see the seeds start to grow about um, his ideals for America um, in songs like the promised land um, and how much faith he has in the country but you also see there's the piano again. Um, you see that he's not uh, ready to give up on himself or his dreams. And yeah, it's a, been a big setback for all of us, but we're going to get through this. Um, maybe not fully intact, maybe not the same, but we're going to have to keep fighting for the things that we believe in and just prioritize them more because we've lost two years. So yeah, don't give up. I think that's an album that, you know, really pushes that message, pushes that message. Um, sorry if I droned on too long. But... No, no, no. That was well said. That was perfect. Well said, my friend. So, Dan, I understand that you've got something special coming up in November as a way to bring awareness to the disease and raise funds. Talk to me a little about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm running. Um, I've run a lot of marathons, but uh, I'm running New York. It's going to be very special this year because uh, they had to cancel the one last year. I mean, New York City Marathon is always very special because it's a celebration of not just the five boroughs, but of saying, you know, New York, you can't defeat me. It may be right. hard professionally. It may be hard in terms of dating. It may be hard in terms of, you know, living <laughs> in a tiny apartment that costs $1,600 with rats running around underneath but you still can't beat me. Um, so that I've always, you know, and you know, you're running 26 miles and the origin of the marathon story comes from somebody who died after doing that. Like immediately yeah. they didn't have Gatorade in ancient right. Greece. Um, but um, you know, one of the things that people do is they run uh, these races on behalf of charities. Um, and after my mom passed, I uh, got in touch with the national uh, brain tumor society and I said, hey, I'm already qualified, but I would love to run on your behalf. The people there could not be nicer. Um, they gave me a singlet. I'm part of the team this year. Um, so it's, uh, you know, just a wonderful charity to look into just in general. Um, but um, I, I'm, I'm running on behalf of them as well and uh, raising funds uh, that way. 
how will you honor your mom? Is are you going to write like uh, is her name on this shirt on the singlet? Do you do you have inside your shoes? Do you have something of hers you're going to wear or carry? Yeah, um, la- the last time I ran this in 2019, she was still healthy, um, and I wrote "I love you, mom" on the back of my singlet. So yeah. I wasn't affiliated with the charity at that time, but um, that's what I did, and I was proud of it, and it looked yeah. cool, and uh, I still have that shirt. Um, now, uh, what I'm going to do is, in addition to, you know, we have a, a racing shirt that is yeah has the National Brain Tumor Society. Uh, logo on it um my father i was raised in a jewish household we had to tear something uh it was like a little bow um when the funeral was happening i still have that i'm going to put that onto uh my singlet uh when i run um and i have a few other items uh that my mother has given me or you know just little buttons from things that we did together um, then I'm able to just attach to that shirt. Um, and one thing I didn't actually discuss earlier, uh, you're not going to be able to see this if you're listening, but I have this flag um, that I had created for the Women's March. Okay. Um, it says, love and kindness, light my way. Mm. Um, it's an American flag. Uh, love and kindness was a Hillary campaign slogan. Sorry, right. you know, for those of you who are not Democrats, it's my belief. Yeah. Um, and Light My Way was a U2 song I love very much. Um, and I got some of my favorite musicians to sign it. I got The Edge to sign it. Um, I got John Landau to actually sign it after Springsteen on Broadway. Nice. Um, my mom, yeah, my mom uh, signed it. So I'm going to carry this with me. And I'm going to cross the finish line with it. And I'm going to make sure she loved the flag. She loved the message on it. And uh, her name's on it now. So when I cross that finish line, everyone will be able to see it. That's great. I, I Like I said, we'll include the link to that fundraising on the show. And I just, I'm, I'm sure that I'll see you in my dreams. We are alive are two of the songs that will be on your pre-race, you know, getting ready sync like you know whatever playlist you have to get yourself ready well, i'm sure those two songs will be on there yeah yeah absolutely i have a playlist all planned out it's like it's like i'm i don't plan to get married in this lifetime yeah but it's like uh planning the soundtrack for a wedding i guess yeah yeah um no retreat uh no surrender was a yeah. big one um because a lot of um people who are fighting cancer and other illnesses will do that, you know, Bruce's no surrender and, you know, hashtag no retreat, no surrender, just as never to give up fighting. So um, we will be thinking of you on the day of the marathon. And when I see the news coverage, I'm going to think of you, Dan, and I'm going to smile. So thank you for sharing that. that. I will probably be uh, too exhausted to think properly by the finish line, but uh, I'll try to think of uh, everything that's going on, all the support, and thank you for that. I tell you what, let's plan on it. Um, let's have you back on after the race, and sure. we'll do a quick one just to talk about the day. I, I would yeah, love just to kind that. of do a post-race kind of episode where we just talk about and just share your feelings and everything went on. I, I would love to hear that, and I know my listeners would too. Sure. Uh, you got to give me a couple days. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking, you know, middle of November. That's fine. First of December is fine. That's good. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. We'll figure it out. I look forward to uh, reconnecting. Thank Sounds you so good. much for a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing so much of yourself. Uh, yeah, this good. means Thank a you. great deal to me. And I, and I am, um, what was your mom's name? My mom uh, was named Iris and, Iris. uh, I was talking about you two earlier. That's another song I'd recommend listening to is Iris off uh, their 2014 album songs of innocence. Cause yeah. that uh, because it's her namesake, it was Bono's mom's name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, again, the power of music. Yeah, but, it truly is. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. This was actually, uh, it was great to actually like get this out and verbalize it. And um, yeah, 
I, uh, I appreciate your time very much. No problem. All right. Before I let you go, we're going to lighten things up, maybe, okay. depending yeah. on your answer. Sure. Um, I end every episode with the Mary question. So if you are a friend of Dan's and you're listening to this episode and you don't normally listen to the podcast, thank you for listening. I hope you check some other episodes out. Um, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher from the Philadelphia area. He's recently retired. And before he retired from teaching, he would spend two days every year of the school year with his honors English teach class, the seniors, and they would break apart Thunder Road as a poem. They would lead the lyrics. They would talk about the imagery. They would compare it to Robert Frost, uh, The Road Not Taken. And at the end of the two days, Jay looks at his class and asks the question, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Dan, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Yeah, I think she absolutely has to. You got you to gotta take chances in life. I mean, it's really hard. It's scary when you think about the magnitude of it. Because um, you're leaving behind something that's really comfortable and something that you know and you're familiar with and your routine. And it's so easy to just get caught up in that. But I think that's another thing. I'm sorry I have to bring it up again, but the pandemic just drives home is time is limited. Opportunities are limited. Just go for what you believe in. And uh, I would like to think that, you know, like I said, it's an optimistic album, which is why it's not so well suited for me. But I think that's, that's why she would get in the car. You know, she would, she would say, Let's do it. Let's let's try it out. Let's see where it goes. And I think when Bruce was writing it, you know, he was he was probably thinking the same thing and thinking that things would work out or at least it would be an adventure. And uh, that's what you're going to get. If you get in the car, metaphorically speaking, if you try things out, you're going to have an adventure, even if it's not successful. So keep going and keep trying. Well said, my friend. Well said. Um, Dan, this was great. Um, I'm going to end with, I'll see you in my dreams where all the summers have come to an end. I'll see you in my dreams where we'll meet and live and love again. I'll see you in my dreams. Yeah. Up around the river bend for death is not the end. And I'll see you in my dreams. For Iris. Thank you very much for quoting that. And thank you for the conversation. No problem. Listeners, you Go get vaccinated. Remember to wear your mask. Remember to wash your hands. Remember to be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at SetLustingBruce, and my personal Twitter is at DFW. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.